Welcome to another edition of the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Wednesday, December 30th, 2020. Just today and tomorrow left in the year that doesn't seem to want to give up the ghost. It's almost over, folks. My biggest fear, of course, is all of those people saying, 2021 couldn't possibly be any worse than 2020. And then there's Baby New Year holding a Bud Light and saying, Hold my beer. It's going to be worse. Did any of you happen to take a gander at the mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden speech where he squinted for several minutes and fumbled his way through trying to read the words on a teleprompter? Pathetic. I'm telling you folks, this man is struggling with his grip on reality. And if he does take office on January 21st, 2021, he will not be there for very long. Some people are saying 30 days. I'm thinking more like 90 days. He will try to struggle and prove himself to be worthy of the task. But we all know better. You can only pump a man full of Adderall or whatever other medication they're funneling through his veins to keep him somewhat coherent for so long before the profoundly ill effects of such drugs finally take their toll and he loses it completely. Now, many of you know that I am a geek at heart and a Trek fan, a Star Trek fan, that is. And in the original Star Trek series with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, there was, I believe, season two, episode two. I could be wrong on the actual episode here. Anyway, there was an episode called Patterns of Force in which the Enterprise crew beams down to what appears to be an almost exact representation of Nazi Germany and a former Starfleet commander named John Gill had been inserted as the new progressive leader, an almost pseudo-Hitler type character, but he looked more like Joe Biden, doped up, drugged, placed in front of a camera and made to read the party line over and over and over. And the people, the sheeple of that era followed him blindly because those behind John Gill would certainly have enacted draconian measures to keep the sheeple in line. It's just what's going on with mopey, dopey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden. In watching him fumbled through reading a teleprompter the other night, or last evening rather, it was quite evident and quite clear the man is not all there. Now you can say what you want ill of Donald Trump. You can say he lucked into his money or his daddy paid his way or whatever, but he was a multi-millionaire going into the presidency. Joe Biden has lived off of government salaries his entire working life. His entire working life. And yet, he has become a multi-millionaire off of the people. Do you not see a difference there? And now, 
in his third attempt to be president. Remember, the first two failed miserably because he was caught lying and plagiarizing the works of others. He was caught making racist statements. But that's all ignored because the machine wants him in the presidency. They want a puppet that they can fully control. And they have found one in sleepy, creepy, mopey, dopey, little girl, touchy-feely, gropey Joe Biden. They can control him, either with medicine or with coercion. The man is not all there, people. He's just not all there. And now, we know he will not be there for long, just based on his mumbling, his fumbling, his bumbling, his crumbling, his stumbling in front of the camera, his muttering, puttering, fluttering, fluttering, stuttering, his inability to string together two coherent sentences, his inability to answer a question without becoming completely flustered, his inability to be able to even read numbers on the camera. He can't read numbers. It's two trillion, two, two, two hundred, two and three hundred, billion, trillion, million, gazillion, bazillion, trillion. That's just all oh, you know. You know the thing. It really is a shame. It's sad to see how the Democrats are using this man, how they're abusing this man, all to be the puppet so that they can pull his strings and then insert Camel Toe Harris as your new president. Like I said, some people are saying 30 days. I'm guessing 90. We ought to put a pool out, you know. Put two years worth of numbers on there. 365 in 2021, 365 in 2022, and everybody pick a number. Put 20 bucks on your number, and we'll see which day he is taken out of office. And on that day, that person with that number on the pool will win all the money. Won't be enough to retire on, but it would be enough to buy yourself a nice motorcycle. Maybe good down payment on a boat or an RV. Either way, that is my prediction. The mopey, dopey, gropey, sleepy, creepy Joe Biden regime will not last very long. But if he is put into office, his term will likely last longer than Luke Letlow. I don't know if you heard this or not, but Luke Letlow was a Republican, 41-year-old man who was elected to the House of Representatives this month to represent Louisiana's 5th Congressional District. Mr. Letlow died last night. Complications from COVID-19. That is how the article is written. It says, Luke Letlow, a Republican who was elected to the House of Representatives this month to represent Louisiana's 5th Congressional District, died Tuesday evening of complications from COVID-19, a spokesperson said. He was 41. Now, why is it important that I read that to you word for word? Because of one word. Remember, it's all sleight of hand in the media. Mr. Letlow did not die of COVID-19. He did not die from COVID-19. According to the official report, he died of complications from COVID-19. He likely died of pneumonia. But because he had a little Rona in his system, they're going to blame it on the virus. 
And I'm sure it's like saying a person died of drug overdose when they actually died from blunt force trauma impact of a car accident. The drug overdose caused the accident, the accident caused the death, and therefore, depending on which side you're on, if you're a person who tries to blame everything on drugs, you can say he died of a drug overdose. But if you don't want to tarnish the family name, you say he died in a car accident. It's splitting hairs, I know, but it's how they have manipulated the sheeple of the United States of America for the past year. He died of coronavirus. Or he died of complications associated with the coronavirus, which could be pneumonia, which could be influenza, which could be heart failure, which could be upper respiratory system failure. Could have been a stroke or an aneurysm or a heart attack. Complications from COVID-19 is what Luke Letlow died from, according to the Associated Press, the New York Times, in an article written by Brian Peach. Mr. Letlow, a Republican, was set to take office Sunday, this coming Sunday. His death was confirmed by several politicians, including Representative Garrett Graves of Louisiana, who said in a Facebook post that the death of his friend and former co-worker was a huge loss to Louisiana and America. Mr. Letlow died at Oshner's LSU Health Medical Center in Shreveport, Louisiana, according to a spokesman, Andrew Bouch. Mr. Letlow said on December 18th that he was isolating at home after he tested positive for coronavirus. He was doing the responsible thing. He was hospitalized a day later in Monroe, Louisiana, before being transferred to the big hospital in Shreveport on December 22nd. In a statement released by Mr. Bouch, his spokesman, December 23rd, Mr. Letlow had been receiving the antiviral drug remdesivir and steroids to treat his infection. December 21st, while he was hospitalized in Monroe, he urged people who had recovered from COVID-19 to donate plasma. He said, quote, your plasma is especially needed by those who are suffering, unquote. He wrote in a tweet, I cannot stress this enough. Please consider saving lives by going out and donating at your local blood bank. He did not have any underlying conditions that would have increased his chances of dying. This according to G.E. Ghali, the doctor at the Shreveport Hospital. In a runoff this month against another Republican, Mr. Letlow was elected to succeed Representative Ralph Abraham, whom Mr. Letlow had served as chief of staff. He survived by his wife, Julia, and their two children, Jeremiah and Jacqueline, 41 years old. Nasty Nancy Pelosi had to issue a statement. Tonight, the United States House of Representatives sadly mourns the passing of Congressman-elect Luke Letlow. Congressman-elect Letlow was a ninth-generation Louisianian who fought passionately for his point of view and dedicate his life to public service, she said. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy said, Our hearts break tonight as we process the news of Congressman-elect Luke Letlow's passing. Governor Ring My Bell Edwards of Louisiana said Tuesday evening that COVID-19 had taken Congressman-elect Letlow from us far too soon. Edwards is, of course, a Democrat. 
but he did something honorable. He ordered the flags of the state to be flown at half-staff on the day of Mr. Letlow's funeral to be announced. Representative Mike Johnson, a Republican who represents the state's 4th Congressional District, issued a statement on behalf of the six-member state legislation in Congress for Louisiana, quote, We are devastated to hear of Luke Letlow's passing. Luke had such a positive spirit, and he had a tremendously bright future ahead of him. He was looking forward to serving the people of Louisiana in Congress, and we were excited to welcome him to our delegation where he was ready to make an even greater impact on our state and our nation. Bobby Jindal, the former governor of Louisiana for whom Mr. Letlow had previously worked while Jindal was a congressional candidate, he was also representative and a governor, said the congressman-elect talked in recent days about his excitement about the opportunity to serve his district. Jindal said, I first met Luke when he was still a college student and spent countless hours with him in his truck driving the back roads of Louisiana. His passion for service has been a constant throughout his life. According to Ballotpedia, Luke Letlow is the first elected official on the federal level to die from the coronavirus, according to this. So a contradiction, a mincing of words. But that just shows that there was a lazy editor. They go on to list a few representatives from states and judges who died from the coronavirus. But the bottom line is here, folks, say a prayer for the family of Luke Letlow, taken too soon. 2020 was a bitch, folks, and it's only today and tomorrow left. We can only pray that out with the old and in with the new brings good change. This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. Hello, listeners and lovers of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hey, that's me. Did you ever want to go back and re-listen to a program from days, weeks, or even months past? You can. Did you need to prove me right or try to prove me wrong on one of my many accurate predictions? You can. All you need to do is go to one of the many wise platforms that carry the Truth Hurts program. Here they are in alphabetical order to be fair. Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast. Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and always available on our hosting platform at anchor.fm backslash Steve hyphen Z. Or you can simply type Steve Z, The Truth Hurts, into your web browser and find them all. It's like having me in the palm of your hand. Whether I'm out in the boat or on the track bike or the street cruiser motorcycle, camping in the RV, or out at the shooting range, the golf course, here in the studio, or just riding around in my pickup truck, you can count on one thing. I'm armed and I'm ready. Carrying concealed means I have the peace of mind knowing that I'm protected wherever I go and wherever I stay. Carrying concealed means I don't have to show off what I'm packing. But my family, my friends, and I all feel more at ease knowing that if the need arises, I am prepared. It's legal, and it's easy to apply for your concealed carry permit. Simply go online and search for your state's concealed carry requirements. Take the class, take the training, get the permit. You'll be glad you did. Concealed carry, it's the best way for you to enjoy all the benefits of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. 
The First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is responsible for this public service message about your rights under the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And to those of you who spend all day, every day, trying to blame Donald Trump for your woes, remember that you, and only you, are responsible for you. But those who bitch and complain about Donald Trump and his so-called improper handling of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 have to understand the blame for much of the economic downturn falls squarely on the Democrats' shoulders. That's right, squarely upon their shoulders. Unemployment aid will continue to provide a lifeline for millions of workers who continue to struggle to find a job amid the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 pandemic. Thanks to President Donald Trump's signature on the $900, $900 billion stimulus bill. Whoo, folks, it's going to be one of those days. And that bill will extend three major joblessness programs. But when those benefits actually land in the pockets of jobless people has come into question due to the delay in signing the relief bill. But remember, the delay came as an attempt to get you more money. An attempt by your president, Donald Trump, to get you more money. He said, I'm not signing it. $600 isn't enough when you're considering sending billions of dollars to other countries for gender studies programs. Two major programs for the jobless, which provide aid to more than 12 million unemployed workers, expired the day after Christmas, which was the day before Trump signed the bill. Pandemic Unemployment Assistance Program, which covers gig workers like Uber drivers and self-employed workers, as well as the Pandemic Emergency Unemployment Compensation Program, which provides additional weeks of jobless aid to those who have run out of their regular state unemployment benefits, both of those programs expired the day after Christmas. And because the bill was signed a day after those programs ended, concerns have been raised that jobless workers might suffer from a gap in aid payments. Experts say it's unlikely that benefits will lapse because of that. The Department of Labor told The Hill it does not anticipate the eligible claimants will miss week of benefits due to the timing of the law's enactment. That doesn't stop those wackos in the media or on the left from trying to blame Donald Trump, though. Scare tactics and, oh, he should have signed it the day before Christmas. <laughs> Bullshit. Hey, and since I'm not a commercial broadcast program, I can say that. There could be delays in people getting their benefits because states will need to reprogram their computers with new dates. This according to Michelle Evermore, senior policy analyst at the National Employment Law Project. You know, one of those groups that gets paid and gets grants and gets funding from outside sources so that they can render an opinion. I'm doing it for you for free. Rendering an opinion, that is. And jobless workers will likely receive back pay for the amount they're owed since their state's systems are geared to do such a thing. The extra $300 in weekly jobless benefits, it's like a bonus for being unemployed. Remember, if you're going to work each and every day, you're only getting your paycheck. 
But if you're in a state like Texas where you can get 500 bucks plus per week for unemployment and then an additional 300 on top of that, well, ding, ding, ding for you, you could actually be making more money on unemployment than you did working. I reached out to the Department of Labor and of course, who the hell am I? They did not, <laughs> they did not immediately return a call to comment on my call to them. The stimulus bill will extend both of those programs I mentioned a few moments ago for unemployment for gig workers and extensions of unemployment compensations, extra $300 gig for 11 more weeks. And it'll top up the regular state benefits with an additional $300 in weekly jobless aids. Half the extra 600 in aid received by jobless workers at the start of the pandemic, which expired in July. A lot of workers are concerned because they've gone in the hole during their unemployment. They've built up debt. Whoopee. That's what happens when you lose a job. You either go find another job, you do some part-time work, or you cut back on your expenses. A lot of people looked at that $600 bonus earlier in the year as just that. Time to go out and party. Time to buy an extra this or that. Instead of using that money to pay their rent. And they abused programs that limited evictions and kept the money. Some research shows the average unemployed person currently has a negative net worth, according to the left-leaning Century Foundation. The extra 300 bucks a week, as well as additional weeks of unemployment, probably won't be enough for many jobless workers to dig themselves out of debt, but will likely help them meet basic needs. That's what unemployment is for! Unemployment is not a substitute for your entire paycheck. It has never, in the history of the program, been designed to be a trade-off. It's supposed to help you meet your basic needs while you look for another job. But there aren't any jobs. Bullshit. I went to Home Depot yesterday. Big sign out front, now hiring. Lowe's, because Home Depot didn't have what I needed. Same thing, big sign out front. Walmart. Hell, my local grocery store, neighborhood Piggly Wiggly type joint. Three positions available right now. If you really want to work, you can find a job. I have a friend who has a child, an adult child who has a degree in art. Now I'm sorry. Nothing against getting a degree in art, but if you want a real job, unless you're a freaking Picasso, and even that's doubtful because I don't like Picasso. It's kind of weird and off-putting. But unless you are some famous artist who is doing jobs for the Hollywood stars and elite, or the old money of Manhattan, chances are you're not making a hell of a lot of money as an artist. And with a bachelor's degree in art, your opportunities are very limited in the workforce. So I mentioned to this young lady, you might want to start looking outside of your degreed field. She currently works making those artful Mardi Gras floats 
those beautiful works of rolling art that parade down the streets of New Orleans and the surrounding areas each year during carnival season. I guess it's good work if you can get it. But right now, with Carnival having been canceled by La Toilet Cantrell, the mayor of New Orleans, there's no need for artists to work on the highly themed Mardi Gras floats that they work on each year. So, this young lady's been laid off. But I can't find a job in my chosen field. Mm, guess what? My chosen field and my studies, my post-high school studies, were broadcast journalism. That is my chosen degreed field, broadcasting and broadcast journalism. But you don't see me doing that professionally. I gave up that chosen degreed field career decades ago for multiple reasons. One, it was boring as hell. Number two, the money just was not there. And number three, radio folk change stations and jobs with the frequency of a cheap ham radio. And I didn't want to move around the country constantly seeking that next gig, hoping that one day I might become some famous syndicated media broadcaster. So I did something completely and totally different outside of my chosen degreed field. And I'm not too unhappy with it. But this young lady is steadfast in her beliefs that because she has a degree in art, she is going to stick around, get her unemployment, and wait for the art job to become available again. Or hopefully another art job to make itself available to her. Of course, I wish her the best. She's very bright, intelligent, but sometimes you have to make a change. Could take about two to three weeks for states to start paying out the extra $300 in weekly unemployment benefits. Those benefits stem from the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation Program, which was created by the original Coronavirus Aid Relief and Economic Security Act, better known as CARES, back in March. And that program rightfully expired in July. It was never intended to be a permanent Andrew Yang-style weekly stipend. In order to get those $300 payments out, states will first need to get the program up and running again after the long gap. Sounds pretty simple to me. If you had the programming in your state unemployment computer system, should not be very difficult for any moron with the first clue about how to operate a computer to simply change the dates. This should not result in weeks and weeks of delays. Hell, I'm no computer wizard, and I could figure out how to change the dates. Unemployment programs are run independently by each state, and jobless workers apply for aid through their state labor departments. Depending on the efficiency of their state's computer systems and staffing, <laughs> there's your answer, folks. There's your answer. Jobless workers can experience very different wait times state to state for receiving benefits. Some states might be able to send the $300 benefits quickly, and others will see longer delays, probably so that they can blame those delays on the Trump administration. 
About 12 million Americans were receiving jobless benefits through these two programs, which expired the day after Christmas. They're now extended through March 14th. They'll pay regular state unemployment benefits, which are, on average, slightly more than $300 per week. The extension is for 11 weeks. It's unlikely the economic turmoil caused by the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus pandemic will be over by the time this round of benefits expires in mid-March, which means, once again, lawmakers will be debating more jobless aid in the spring of 2021. In my humble opinion, they're trying their very best to make people more and more and more dependent on government handouts. But they still fail to understand the government has to get that money from somewhere. And usually that somewhere is out the behind side of my paycheck. Yeah, I had to say that nicely. Out of the behind side of your paycheck, out of your hard-earned money that you are paying in taxes, do they care? Not so much. And that's the truth, boys and girls. Sometimes the truth hurts. The following is a non-paid advertisement for people whose butts hurt. Oh, sorry. I mean, for minorities that are butt hurt. Face it, Republicans have been a pain in the butt, and Democrats have falsely promised but under-delivered for decades. Oh, we are so as glad that Biden and Kamatoa Harris have won the day election for sure. Now it's time for something I've been needing for many years now since 1863 to be exact. Thanks to Ms. Harris being a new vice president, I's gonna get me some fresh tube of Reparation H. I sure is glad I got me some Reparation H. Now slide it in there, baby. Oh yeah, that's the way. Just like I like it. Yay, nice and slow. Oh, oh, oh easy, baby. That feels like an elbow. Reparation H is the camel toe Harris answer to giving back to those she pandered to. Reparation H is the topical treatment of Trump derangement syndrome, or butt heart syndrome, and is the reparation of choice in the BM movement. Reparation H is for double eight thirteen percent minorities who have never been slaves, but feel like they are owed something because their great 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 not so great granddaddy might have been a slave, but have not proved to back up that statement. Reparation H is endorsed by Camel Toe Harris and is for black people only. Reparation H is properly applied by sticking your thumb right up your. Well, you get the picture, baby. I got my reparation from Reparation H. Did you take the Trump COVID-19 vaccine? The manufacturer has reported the following symptoms caused by the Trump vaccine. Nausea, headache, fatigue, sadness, Trump derangement syndrome, anger, violent outbursts, a desire to riot, commit arson, assault and battery, or other destructive tendencies. If you took the Trump approved vaccine and experienced any of these symptoms, you may be entitled to cash compensation. Call the law firm of Dewey, Scrum and Indias now for a free consultation. Studies show that people taking the Trump vaccine may have experienced serious health issues. Don't wait. The time to file is limited to the remainder of Trump's second term. Call Dewey, Scrum and Indias now. 1-800-VACCINE-SUCKS. 1-800-VACCINE-SUCKS. I am a non-attorney spokesperson. 
And the double standard is once again rearing its ugly head on the Democrat side. Democrats are hesitant to vote on the House floor to overturn the results of an Iowa congressional race, according to senior party members in an interview with the Washington Examiner. The possibility of such a dramatic effort has come up because Democrat Rita Hart filed a petition to the House Administration Committee last Tuesday. That petition contests the second congressional district race, which her Republican opponent, Marionette Miller Meeks, won by an exceedingly slim margin. After a recount of all 24 counties in the district, Ms. Miller Meeks won by just six votes. When I say your vote, every vote counts, I mean it, boys and girls. This woman won in the recount by six votes. In fact, 196,964 to 196,958 was the actual recount. Dan Kildee is a Michigan Democrat who's a chief deputy whip on the Democrat leadership team, and he said, quote, folks are anxious about it for good reason. For most of us, we're wired to accept the results that are certified by the state and the county, by canvassers. And it's very difficult for us to reach into somebody else's tabulations and decide for ourselves that we want to change the outcome unless there's compelling, overwhelming evidence to support the case. And I haven't looked at that. I haven't seen it. I think our default setting for many of us is trust the local process. We've been making that argument for two months now. It's pretty hard to make a different argument when it's convenient." Unquote. In other words, Mr. Kildee, a Democrat, seems to be one of the honorable few. He does not see any overwhelming evidence to overturn the recount. And he's rightfully saying we can't just turn around and change our rules because it's convenient. Who, if anyone, gets seated on January 3rd is a matter of high stakes for both the Democrats and the Republicans. House Democrats are facing their narrowest margin in the majority in nearly 80 years. When the 117th Congress convenes with Miller Meeks in office, the House will have 222 Democrats, there will be 212 Republicans. And one district in New York, the 22nd District, has still not been decided. Additionally, the incoming Biden administration has tapped three Democrat House members for roles in the executive branch. Now, each of those representatives represent safely blue districts, but special elections to replace them could take several months. That would effectively give House Democrats one over a bare majority with 219 members temporarily. 219 to 212 might be easy enough to sway some decisions towards the Republican side, especially if some representatives are not available to vote for this reason, that reason, or another. Hart's notice of contest to the House Administration Committee, she cited 22 excluded ballots, which if counted and included in the final vote tally might give her a win over Miller Meeks. Ballots are excluded for certain reasons. That has to be agreed upon by both parties, especially during a recount. Kildee noted that Hart's petition comes at the same time a group of Republican lawmakers plans to contest the legitimacy of Gropey Joe's election to the White House. 
Can't talk out of both sides of your mouth, Democrat. House members are scheduled to be sworn into office January 3rd. Congress is expected to certify Biden's so-called winning electoral count three days later. Some Republican members say they plan to challenge the certification that day, claiming Biden's electoral numbers are the result of voter fraud. There's overwhelming evidence out there, but the media ignores it, of course. Overwhelming evidence of voter fraud, improprieties, missing ballots, discarded ballots, mysteriously appearing ballots. And yet, even our judicial system, with a conservative majority, has decided to turn a blind eye to the obvious large mountain of evidence that has been presented. That Democrat, Mr. Kildee, says, I think it comes to what our predisposition is, and rightfully should be, that we accept the decisions of the states unless there's some really compelling argument that contradicts it. There have been some conversations I'm aware of. I've had some, and I'm aware others have as well. He spoke in reference to conversations that he and other Democrats have raised with Nancy Pelosi and Zoe Lofgren, the House Administration Chairwoman. Congress last intervened in a close election 35 years ago in a dispute involving a 1984 Indiana House of Representatives race in that state's 8th district. The Republican challenger in that race initially was certified the winner by state officials. The Democrat incumbent contested the race in the House and that led to a four-month battle in the House of Representatives over who the chamber should seat. Ultimately, the House was controlled by the Democrats then, as it is now. They went ahead and seated the Democrat incumbent. And perhaps that is what they're hoping to do in this particular case for Rita Hart, the Democrat. The double standard is alive and well. They don't want you to contest the gropey Joe Biden electoral college numbers. No, no, no. You have to accept the fact that our nation's voting system is secure and proper. But when it comes to this House of Representatives race, no, we want you to go ahead and change the rules and let these 22 excluded votes count because we want every vote to count. Even if they're by dead people or people who don't live there anymore or by someone claiming to be someone with a signature that doesn't even come close. The double standard, folks. It's the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has a committee that has laid out recommendations for who should be next in line for the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus of 2019 vaccine. With phase one of COVID vaccinations underway to frontline healthcare workers and nursing home staffs, as well as residents, many folks are wondering who's next up to get their shots in 2021. Not I, said the fly. I'm going to wait and see just how bad the side effects are and to see if this vaccine is really effective. CDC Advisory Committee suggests that Group 1B should cover frontline essential workers and those over the age of 75. 
Assistant State Health Officer Dr. Joe Cantor of Louisiana said they're reviewing the recommendations and considering whether and then consider whether the state of Louisiana will implement the CDC's regulation guidelines or if the state will do their own thing. Cantor said, without getting ahead too much, it's not difficult to look too different from what the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has recommended. Group 1C covers the rest of essential workers and those over 65 plus people with health conditions that could lead to more severe COVID-19 cases. Those 1C and 1B groups, they include hundreds of thousands of Louisiana residents. Dr. Cantor says the state's highest rate of residents with comorbid conditions make it likely that we will see a higher percentage of the population in those groups, and that will be higher than the national average. So what he's saying is there are more obese people in Louisiana, more diabetics in Louisiana, more people who smoke in Louisiana, more people who generally don't take care of themselves in Louisiana. So they're gonna start crowding them onto the bus, so to speak. Governor Edwards of Louisiana said those with end-stage renal disease who receive regular dialysis treatments have already begun receiving the vaccine ahead of the CDC schedule. End-stage renal disease, kidney failure, end-stage. Just think about that for a moment. Unfortunately, Dr. Cantor said, we can't pinpoint an exact date for when the state will move out of Phase 1 and into Phase 1B. It's really just a factor of how much we receive from the feds as far as supply. How much vaccine the state will actually get. I'm not trying to sound morbid here, but the phrase end stage does not seem to me like the group you would want to put to the front of the line if their imminent demise from renal failure puts them closer to the end stage of this thing we call life. Not trying to be morbid, folks, just trying to be practical. I'm sure I'll get hate mail I've got a cousin who's on dialysis and you're saying he doesn't deserve a COVID vaccine? He can have mine. He can have mine. I will wait. That's the truth. Sometimes, folks, the truth hurts. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. Let's talk about what a blast it could be to go to Nashville, Tennessee. Ooh, too soon? Yeah, probably. More than a year before Anthony Warner detonated that bomb in downtown Nashville, Tennessee on Christmas Day in his RV, officers had visited his home after his girlfriend told police he was building bombs in an RV trailer at his residence. This according to documents obtained by the Associated Press. But they were unable to make contact with him or look inside of his RV, so the cops, they just left. Officers were called to Pamela Perry's home in Nashville on August 21, 2019, after getting a report from her attorney that 
she was making suicidal threats while sitting on her front porch with firearms. This according to the Metropolitan Nashville Police Department, released in a statement emailed to the press. Yes, the police report said that Raymond Throckmorton, the attorney, told officers that day that he also represented Warner. When the officers arrived at Ms. Perry's home, police said she had two unloaded pistols sitting next to her on the porch. Those are real effective. She told them the guns belonged to Tony Warner, police said, and she did not want them in the house any longer. Ms. Perry was 62 at the time and was transported for a psychological evaluation after speaking to mental health professionals over the telephone. Throckmorton, the attorney, told the Tennessean newspaper that Perry had fears about her safety and thought that Warner might harm her. Sounds like a lovely couple. The attorney was also at the scene that day and told officers that Warner, quote, frequently talks about the military and bomb-making, unquote. This, according to the police report. Warner knows what he is doing and is capable of making a bomb, Throckmorton said to the responding officers. Police then went to Warner's home, located about a one and a half miles away from Perry's home. They say he didn't answer the door when they knocked several times. They said they saw the RV in the backyard, but the yard was fenced off and officers couldn't see inside the vehicle. The report said there were also, quote, several security cameras and wires attached to an alarm sign on the front door of the home, unquote. Officers then notified their supervisors and detectives, and then they left. They just left. Police statements said they saw no evidence of a crime and had no authority to enter his home or fenced property. Unquote. After the officers visited Warner's home last August, the police department's hazardous devices unit was given a copy of that police report. During the week of August 26, 2019, they contacted the attorney, Throckmorton. Police said officers recalled Throckmorton saying, Warner did not care for the police and that he would not allow Warner to permit a visual inspection of the RV. <laughs> In fact, Throckmorton disputes now that he told police they couldn't search the vehicle. He said conveniently, quote, I have no memory of that whatsoever. I didn't represent him anymore. He wasn't an active client. I'm not a criminal defense attorney, unquote. Covering his ass, slimeball lawyers. Throckmorton told the newspaper he represented Warner in a civil case several years ago that Warner was no longer his client in August of 2019. He then tries to blame the cops, Throckmorton that is, says, somebody somewhere dropped the ball. A day after officers visited Warner's home in 2019, the police report and identifying information about Warner were sent to the FBI to check their databases to determine whether or not Warner had prior military connections. Later that day, the police department said the FBI reported back that they had checked their holdings. They found no records on Warner at all. FBI spokesman Darrell DeBusk told the Tennessean newspaper that the agency had conducted a standard agency-to-agency -agency records check. Six days later, the FBI reported that the Department of Defense checks on Warner were all negative, according to the police. No other information about Warner came to the department or the FBI's attention after that August 29th incident. Police said at no time was there any evidence of a crime detected and no additional action was taken. 
They simply drove away. They also said the ATF had no information on Warner. His only arrest was a marijuana-related charge way back in 1978. The bombing happened this year on Christmas morning. Well before downtown streets were bustling with activity. As if streets could bustle with activity in 2020 with all the lockdowns. Police were responding to a report of shots fired on Friday when they encountered the RV blaring a recorded warning that bomb would detonate in 15 minutes. Then, for reasons that may never be known, the audio switched to a recording of Petula Clark's 1964 hit, Downtown, shortly before the blast. Dozens of buildings were damaged. Several people were injured. Investigators still have not uncovered a motive for the Christmas Day bombing, nor was it revealed why Warner had selected that particular location, which damaged an AT&T building and wreaked havoc on cell phone, police, and hospital communications in several southern states as the company, AT&T, worked to restore service. The company said on Monday that the majority of services had been restored for residences as well as businesses. It's funny. The FBI has already identified this man, done the full DNA check to confirm it was this man, and has concluded that it was indeed Mr. Warner that did this. They don't have the motive yet, but they still have not figured out for certain anything about Hillary's emails, anything about the Hunter Biden laptop, Anything about Hunter Biden and his daddy's dealings with Burisma and other foreign agents. And nothing at all about who tied that horrible non-noose rope in Bubba Wallace's garage. Oh wait, there was no noose. I remember now. No noose is good noose. It is perfectly normal and acceptable for a person your age to be listening to our program. Do not be embarrassed, ashamed, or otherwise put off by it. This is the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Do not dare allow anyone to tell you that it is shameful to listen to this podcast. It is acceptable by the whole of society, except of course, to those who are depleted of moral character and common sense. And here's an interesting story for you. A federal judge in Georgia has blocked two counties from removing roughly 4,000 names from their voter rolls ahead of the runoff elections to determine control of the U.S. Senate in January. District Judge Leslie Abrams Gardner, the sister to former Democrat gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, has issued a restraining order against Muskogee and Ben Hill counties on Monday over calls for her recusal from the case. The Obama-appointed judge ruled that the counties had improperly scrubbed names from their lists of registered voters over unverified change of address data, this according to Politico. The politically motivated ruling came as a result of a challenge to over 360,000 names of improperly registered Georgia voters which was lodged by the Georgia Republican Party and the election watchdog group, 
true the vote. Both groups pointed out that the residences of those voters registered with the U.S. Postal Service had changed, potentially making them registered to vote in two separate places. While the challenge spanned every county in Georgia, most election boards rejected the request for changes to their voter rolls. Muskogee and Ben Hill County election boards agreed to remove the contested voter names. Democrat Party attorney Mark Elias's organization, Majority Forward, filed a complaint against the counties, arguing that the U.S. Postal Service is an unreliable source for accurate information on where someone may live. Really? Really? Hmm. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? The court considered the plaintiff's motion for a temporary restraining order supporting authorities and the evidence of pleadings of record and finds that one, plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim, two, plaintiffs will suffer irreparable injury unless this court issues an injunction granting relief, three, the threatened injury to plaintiffs outweighs the possible harm that the injunction may cause the opposing parties, and four, the injunction is in the public interest. Gardner wrote this in her ruling. The court thus finds the plaintiffs have clearly established their burden of persuasion as each of these four factors, and accordingly, the plaintiff's motion is granted. In other words, we're going to let those thousands and thousands of potentially double votes, those potential illegal votes, go slide right on through. And you will watch the two January 5th runoff races in Georgia slip, slide away, and give the Democrats control of the House, the Senate, and the White House. The slipping, the sliding, will be the demise of the country as we know it and usher in socialism as we have all predicted. This is the Truth Hurts Program. And we'll be right back to wrap things up right after this. Steve Z and the Truth Hurts Program. And as I am wont to do this time of year and around the 4th of July, Independence Day, I'd like to request just for a moment that you give some consideration to our veterans and to the animals out there and try and limit your fireworks shooting, especially in areas where you know a veteran with PTSD might reside or in an area where you know the animals will go nuts hearing the explosions and seeing the flashes of bright light. There are very many organized fireworks displays around the country Go out, take the family out, watch them from the car, socially distance in a field somewhere. But don't blow up those giant sparkler bombs and M80s right there in your front yard. Might set off one of your neighbors in a way you really don't want to set him off. Might frighten your dog or your cat or your neighbor's pet. It's just not worth it, folks. Boom, flash, it's over. Money sent to China, who manufactures 98% of all the fireworks. I know, but Steve, it's going to put my local fireworks guy out of business. Sorry, dude. Find another line of work. 
Fireworks are dangerous, of course, putting out the eyes of many people over the years and burning people, some with third-degree burns. Just not worth it, folks. Celebrate the end of 2020, popping a champagne cork and saying adios, AMF to 2020. Usher in the new year, but it's not necessary with explosives. I personally will not be firing any firecrackers. It's just not worth ticking off my U.S. Marine Corps retired next-door neighbor veteran. It's just not worth it. I want to wish everybody a very, very safe and happy new year, and we'll see you on the next program. Go out there and make it a great day. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Copyright 2020, Steve Knight Productions, all rights reserved. This program is protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. We'll see you next time.